Hare Krishna, my dear devotees, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books, right here in the Haven, located in Hive, Kent, Southeast England, just a stone's throw from the English Channel. We hope that you've all had a wonderful uh, weekend of festivals and ecstatic hearing and chanting for Janmashtami and Srila Prabhupada's Vyasa Puja uh, the last two days. Um, and we aim to continue. So here we are. Srimad Bhagavata Mihima Stotram by Srila Sanatan Goswami uh, beautifully glorifies the Srimad Bhagavatam and explains at the same time why we're doing what we're doing every day. It goes like this. Sarva Shastrabdipi Yusha Sarva Vedaika Satpala Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja Sarva Lokaika Drikprada O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana Srimad Bhagavata Prabho Kali Dvandoditaditya Sri Krishna Parivartita O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Prema Varshakshadayate Sarvada Sarvasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Marika Bando Matsangin Madguro Man Mahadana Manistadaka Mad Bhagya Mad Ananda Namostute. My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu Saduta Dayin Atini Chochetakara O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya All right. We've reached the 33rd chapter of the third canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam and it is the last chapter by the way of the third canto so this is exciting we are moving through the Bhagavatam um, chapter 33 is the activities of Kapila 
So we've heard his teachings. Now we're going to hear more about what he did. Text 1. Sri Maitreya said, Thus Devahuti, the mother of Lord Kapila and wife of Kardamamuni, became freed from all ignorance concerning devotional service and transcendental knowledge. She offered her obeisances unto the Lord, the author of the basic principles of the Sankhya system of philosophy, which is the background of liberation. And she satisfied him with the following verses of prayer. Purport. The system of philosophy enunciated by Lord Kapila before his mother is the background for situation on the spiritual platform. The specific significance of this system of philosophy is, as is stated herein as Siddhi Bhumim. Siddhi Bhumim. It is the background of salvation. People who are suffering in this material world because they are conditioned by the material energy can easily get freedom from the clutches of matter by understanding the Sankhya philosophy enunciated by Lord Kapila. By this system of philosophy, one can immediately become free even though one is situated in this material world. That stage is called Jivan Mukti. This means that one is liberated even though one stays with his, with his material body. That happened for Devahuti, the mother of Lord Kapila, and she therefore satisfied the Lord by offering her prayers. Anyone who understands the basic principle of Sankhya philosophy is elevated in devotional service and becomes fully Krishna conscious or liberated even within this material world. Text 2 Devahuti said, Brahma is said to be unborn because he takes birth from the lotus flower which grows from your abdomen while you lie in the ocean at the bottom of the universe. But even Brahma simply meditated upon you whose body is the source of unlimited universes. Purport Brahma is also named Aja, he who is unborn. Whenever we think of someone's birth, there must be a material father and mother. For, this, for thus one is born. But Brahma, being the first living creature within this universe, was born directly from the body of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is known as Garbhotakashayi Vishnu, the Vishnu form lying down in the ocean at the bottom of the universe. Devahuti wanted to impress upon the Lord that when Brahma wants to see Him, He has to meditate upon Him. You are the seed of all creation, she said. Although Brahma was directly born from you, He still has to perform many years of meditation, and even then He cannot see you directly face to face. 
Your body is lying within the vast water at the bottom of the universe, and thus you are known as Garbhodakashayi Vishnu. The nature of the Lord's gigantic body is also explained in this verse. That body is transcendental, untouched by matter. Since the material manifestation has come from His body, His body therefore existed before the material creation. The conclusion is that the transcendental body of Vishnu is not made of material elements. The body of Vishnu is the source of all other living entities as well as the material nature, which is also supposed to be the energy of that Supreme Personality of Godhead. Devahuti said, You are the background of the material manifestation and all created energy. Therefore, you are delivering me from the clutches of Maya by explaining the system of Sankhya philosophy is not so astonishing, but your being born from my abdomen is certainly wonderful, because although you are the source of all creation, you have so kindly taken birth as my child. That, that is most wonderful. Your body is the source of all the universe, and still you put your body within the abdomen of a common woman like me. To me, that is most astonishing. Text 3 my dear Lord, although personally you have nothing to do, you have distributed your energies in the interactions of the material modes of energy, and for that reason the creation, maintenance, and dissolution of the cosmic manifestation takes place. My dear Lord, you are self-determined and are the Supreme Personality of Godhead for all living entities. For them, you created this material manifestation, and although you are one, your diverse energies can act multifariously. This is inconceivable to us. Purport The statement made in this verse by Devahuti is that the Absolute Truth has many diverse energies, although he personally has nothing to do in confer as confirmed the statement made in this verse by Devahuti that the Absolute Truth has many diverse energies, although he has personally nothing to do, is confirmed in the Upanishads. There is no one greater than him or on an equal level with him, and everything is completely done by his energy, as if by nature. It is understood herein, therefore, that although the modes of material nature are entrusted to different manifestations like Brahma, Vishnu and Shiva, each of whom is particularly invested with different kinds of power, the Supreme Lord is completely aloof from such activities. Devahuti is saying, although you personally are not doing anything, your determination is absolute. There is no question of your fulfilling your will by the help of anyone else besides yourself. You are in the end the Supreme Soul and the Supreme Controller. Your will therefore cannot be checked by anyone else. 
The Supreme Lord can check other others' plans. <clears throat> the Supreme Lord can check others' plans. As it is said, man proposes and God disposes. But when the Supreme Personality of Godhead proposes, that desire is under no one else's control. He is absolute. We are ultimately dependent on Him to fulfill our desires, but we cannot say that God's desires are also dependent. That is His inconceivable power. That which may be inconceivable for ordinary living entities is easily done by Him. And in spite of His being unlimited, He has subjected Himself to being known from the authoritative scriptures like the Vedic literatures. As it is said, Shabda Mulat Bhat. He can be known through the Shabda Brahma or Vedic literature. Why was the creation made? Since the Lord is the Supreme Personality of Godhead for all living entities, He created this material manifestation for those living entities who want to enjoy or lord it over material nature. As the Supreme Godhead, He arranges to fulfill their various desires. It is confirmed also in the Vedas, Eko Bahunam Yo Binidati Kaman. The Supreme One supplies the necessities of the many living entities. There is no limit to the demands of the different kinds of living entities, and the Supreme One, the Supreme Personality of Godhead alone, maintains them and supplies them by His inconceivable energy. Text 4 As the Supreme Personality of Godhead, you have taken birth from my abdomen, O my Lord. How is that possible? For the Supreme One, who has in His belly all the cosmic manifestation? The answer is that it is possible, for at the end of the millennium you lie down on a leaf of a banyan tree, and just like a small baby, you lick the toe of your lotus foot. <laughs> Krishna. Purport. At the time of disillusion, the Lord sometimes appears as a small baby lying on the leaf of a banyan tree, floating on the devastating water. Therefore, Devahuti suggests, you are lying down within the abdomen of, a, uh, abdomen of a common woman like me is not so astonishing. You can lie down on the leaf of a banyan tree and float in the water of devastation as a small baby. It is not very wonderful, therefore, that you can lie down in the abdomen of my body you teach us that those who are very fond of children within this material world and who therefore enter into marriage to enjoy family life with children can also have the Supreme Personality of Godhead as their child. And the most wonderful thing is that the Lord Himself licks His toe. Since all the, since all the great sages and devotees apply all energy and all activities in the service of the lotus feet of the Lord, there must be some transcendental pleasure in the toes of His lotus feet. 
the Lord licks his toe to taste the nectar for which the devotees always aspire. Sometimes the Supreme Personality of Godhead himself wonders how much transcendental pleasure is within himself. And in order to taste his own potency, he sometimes takes the position of tasting himself. Lord Chaitanya is Krishna himself, but he appears as a devotee to taste the sweetness of the transcendental mellow in himself, which is tasted by Srimati Radharani, the greatest of all devotees. Text 5 My dear Lord, you have assumed this body in order to diminish the sinful activities of the fallen and to enrich their knowledge in devotion and liberation. Since these sinful people are dependent on your direction, by your own will you assume incarnations as a boar and as, a, and, as, and as other forms. Similarly, you have appeared in order to distribute transcendental knowledge to your dependents. Purport In the previous verses, the general transcendental qualifications of the Supreme Personality of Godhead were described. Now, the specific purpose of the Lord's appearance is also described. By His different energies, He bestows different kinds of bodies upon the living entities who are conditioned by their propensity to lord it over material nature. But in due course of time, these living entities become so degraded that they need enlightenment. It is stated in Bhagavad Gita that whenever there are discrepancies in the discharge of the real purpose of this material existence, the Lord appears as an incarnation. The Lord's form as Kapila directs the fallen souls and enriches them with knowledge and devotion so that they may go back to Godhead. There are many incarnations of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, like those of the boar, the fish, the tortoise, and the half-man, half-lion. Lord Kapiladev is also one of the incarnations of Godhead. It is accepted herein that Lord Kapiladev appeared on the surface of the earth to give transcendental knowledge to the misguided conditioned souls. Text 6 To say nothing of the spiritual advancement of persons who see the Supreme Person face to face, even a person born in a family of dog-eaters immediately becomes eligible to perform Vedic sacrifices if he once utters the holy name of the Supreme Personality of Godhead or chants about him, hears about his pastimes, offers him obeisances, or even remembers him. Purport herein the, herein the spiritual potency of chanting, hearing, or remembering the holy name of the Supreme Lord is greatly stressed. Rupa Goswami has discussed the sequence of sinful activities of the conditioned soul and he has established in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that those who engage in devotional service become freed 
from the reactions of all sinful activities. This is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita. The Lord says that He takes charge of one who surrenders unto Him and He makes him immune to all reactions to sinful activities. If by chanting the holy name of the Supreme Personality of Godhead one becomes so swiftly cleared of all reactions to sinful activities, then what is to be said of those persons who see him face to face? Another consideration here is that persons who are purified by the process of hearing and chanting, of chanting and hearing, become immediately eligible to perform Vedic sacrifices. Generally, only a person who was born in a family of brahmanas who has been reformed by the ten kinds of purificatory processes and who is learned in Vedic literature is allowed to perform the Vedic sacrifices. But here the word sadhya immediately is used. And Sridhar Swami also remarks that one can immediately become eligible to perform Vedic sacrifices. A person born in a family of the low caste, which is accustomed to eating dogs, is so positioned due to his past sinful activities. But by chanting or hearing once in pureness or in an offenseless manner, he is immediately relieved of the sinful reaction. Not only is he relieved of the sinful reaction, but he immediately achieves the result of all purificatory processes. Taking birth in the family of a brahmana is certainly due to pious activities in one's past life, but still a child who is born in a family of a brahmana depends for his further reformation upon initiation into acceptance of a sacred thread and many other reformatory processes. But a person who chants the holy name of the Lord, even if born in a family of chandalas, dog-eaters, does not need reformation. Simply by chanting Hare Krishna, he immediately becomes purified and becomes as good as the most elevated brahmana. Sri Darsami especially remarks in this connection, Anina Pujatvam Lakshate. Some caste brahmanas remark that by chanting Hare Krishna, purification begins. Of course, that depends on the individual process of chanting. But this remark of Sridhar Swami's is completely applicable if one chants the holy name of the Lord without offense, for he immediately becomes more than a brahmana. As Sridhar Swami says, Pujatvam, he immediately becomes as respectable as a most learned brahmana and can be allowed to perform Vedic sacrifices. If simply by chanting the holy name of the Lord one becomes sanctified instantly, then what can be said of those persons who see the Supreme Lord face to face and who understand the descent of the Lord as Devahuti understands Kapiladev? Usually, initiation depends on the bona fide spiritual master who directs the disciple. If he sees that a disciple has become competent and purified by the process of chanting, 
He offers the sacred thread to the disciple just so that he will be recognized as 100% equal with a Brahmana. This is also confirmed in the Hari Bhakti Vilas by Sri Sanatan Goswami. As a base metal, like bell metal, can be changed into gold by a chemical process, any person can similarly be changed into a Brahmana by Diksha Vidana, the initiating process. If someone, if sometimes, it is sometimes remarked that by the chanting process one begins to purify himself and can take birth in his next life in a Brahmana family and then be reformed. But at this present moment, even those who are born in the best Brahmana families are not reformed, nor is there any certainty that, that they are actually born of a Brahman fathers. Formerly, the Garbhadana Sangh's reformatory system was prevalent, but at the present moment, there is no such Garbhadana or seed-giving ceremony. Under these circumstances, no one knows if a man is factually born of a Brahmana father. Whether one has acquired the qualification of a Brahmana depends on the judgment of the bona fide spiritual master. He bestows upon the disciple the position of a Brahmana by his own judgment. When one is accepted as a Brahmana in the sacred thread ceremony under the Pancharatrika system, then he is Dvija, twice born. That is confirmed by Sanatana Goswami, Dvijatvam Jayate. By the process of initiation, by the spiritual master, a person is accepted as a brahmana in his purified state of chanting the holy name of the Lord. He then makes further progress to become a qualified brahmana, which means that the brahminical qualification is already acquired. Text 7 mm. Very famous verse. Aho bhatta chapacho to griyan yajvijivagre vartate namatubyam tupustapaste juhufu juhuvu sasnuraya brahmanu chur namagrinanta yete. Oh, how glorious are they whose tongues are chanting your holy name. Even if born in the families of dog-eaters, such persons are worshipable. Persons who chant the holy name of your lordship must have executed all kinds of austerities and fire sacrifices and achieved all the good manners of the Aryans. To be chanting the holy name of your lordship they must have bathed at the holy places of pilgrimage, studied the Vedas, and fulfilled everything required. Purport as, as it is stated in the previous verse, a person who has once offenselessly chanted the holy name of God 
becomes immediately eligible to perform Vedic sacrifices. One should not be astonished by this statement of Srimad Bhagavatam. One should not disbelieve or think how by chanting the holy name of the Lord can one become a holy man to be compared to the most elevated Brahmana. To eradicate such doubts in the minds of unbelievers, this verse affirms that the stage of chanting of the holy name of the Lord is not sudden, but, has the chant, but, ha, but that the chanters have already performed all kinds of Vedic rituals and sacrifices. It is not very astonishing, for no one in this life can chant the holy name of the Lord unless he has passed all lower stages, such as performing the Vedic ritualistic sacrifices, studying the Vedas, and practicing good behavior like that of the Aryans. All this must first have been done. Just as a student in a law class is to be understood to have already graduated from general education, anyone who is engaged in the chanting of the holy name of the Lord, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, must have already passed all lower stages. It is said that those who simply chant the holy name with the tip of the tongue are glorious. One, who, one does not even have to chant the holy name and understand the whole procedure, namely the offensive stage, offenseless stage, and pure stage. If the holy name is sounded on the tip of the tongue, that is also sufficient. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. It is said herein that Nama a singular number, one name, Krishna or Rama, is sufficient. It is not that one has to chant all the holy names of the Lord. The holy names of the Lord are innumerable, and one does not have to chant all the names to prove that he has already undergone all the processes of Vedic ritualistic ceremonies. If one chants only once, it is to be understood that he has already passed all the examinations, not to speak of those who are chanting always, 24 hours a day. It is specifically said here, to byam, unto you only. One must chant God's name, not, as the Mayabadi philosophers say, any name, such as a demigod's name or the names of God's energies. Only the holy name of the Supreme Lord will be effective. Anyone who compares the holy name of the Supreme Lord to the names of the demigods is called Pashandi, or an offender. The holy name has to be chanted to please the Supreme Lord and not for any sense gratification or professional purpose. If this pure mentality is there, then even though a person is born of a low family, such as a dog-eaters, he is so glorious that not only has he purified himself, but he is quite competent to deliver others. He is competent to speak on the importance of the transcendental name, just as Haridas Thakur did. He was apparently born in a family of Mohammedans, but because he was chanting the holy name of the Supreme Lord offenselessly, 
Lord Chaitanya empowered him to become the authority or acharya of spreading the name. It did not matter that he was born in a family which was not following the Vedic rules and regulations. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Advaita Prabhu accepted him as an authority because he was offensely, offenselessly chanting the name of the Lord. Authorities like Advaita Prabhu and Lord Chaitanya immediately accepted that he had already performed all kinds of austerities, studied the Vedas, and performed all sacrifices. That is automatically understood. There is a hereditary class of brahmanas called the smarta brahmanas. However, there is a, heredit there is a hereditary class of brahmanas called the smarta brahmanas, however, who are of the opinion that even if such persons who are chanting the holy name of the Lord are accepted as purified, they still have to perform the Vedic rites or await their next birth in a family of brahmanas so that they can perform the Vedic rituals. But actually, that is not the case. Such a man does not need to wait for the next birth to become purified. He is at once purified. It is understood that he has already performed all sorts of rites. It is the so-called brahmanas who actually have to undergo different kinds of austerities before reaching that point of purification. There are many other Vedic performances which are not de described here. All such Vedic rituals have been already performed by the chanters of the holy name. The word Juhuvu means that the chanters of the holy name have already performed all kinds of sacrifices. Sasnu means that they have already traveled to all the holy places of pilgrimage and taken part in, the, in purificatory activities at those places. They are called Arya because they have already finished all these requirements and therefore they must be among the Aryans or those who have qualified themselves to become Aryans. Aryan refers to those who are civilized, whose manners are regulated according to the Vedic rituals. Any devotee who is chanting the holy name of the Lord is the best kind of Aryan. Unless one studies the Vedas, one cannot become an Aryan. But it is, it is automatically understood that the chanters have already studied all the Vedic literature. The specific word used here is anuchu, anuchu, which means that because they have already completed all those recommended acts, they have become qualified to be spiritual masters. The very word grinanti, which is used in this verse, means to be already established in the perfectional stage of ritualistic performances. If one is seated on the, high, on the bench of the high court and is giving, giving judgment on cases, it means that he has already passed all legal exams and is better than those who are engaged in the study of law or those expecting to study law in the future. In a similar way, 
Persons who are chanting the holy name are transcendental to those who are factually performing the Vedic rituals. And those who expect to be qualified, or in other words, those who are born in families of brahmanas but have not yet undergone the reformatory processes and who therefore expect to study the Vedic rituals and perform the sacrifices in the future. There are many Vedic statements in different places saying that anyone who chants the holy name of the Lord becomes immediately freed from conditional life and that anyone who hears the holy name of the Lord even though born of a family of dog-eaters also becomes liberated from the clutches of material entanglement. Śrīla Prabhupāda ki jāya. What a purport. Hare Krishna. So that takes us past 8 o'clock and so we will stop our reading tonight. See, it went so fast. That was amazing. More than a half an hour. Tomorrow we will start from text 8. And for now, we will anticipate the reflections from the assembled sages. Hare Krishna. First is from Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Yes, Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Jai Maharaj, Hare Krishna. All glories to Srila Prabhupada and Srimad Bhagavatam. All glories to the Holy Srimad Bhagavatam and His Divine Grace. Hare Krishna. And from Rati Manjari. Yes, Rati. Jai Guru Maharaj. Jai Rati. Thank you for providing this daily sanctuary in which we assemble around the absolute around hearing the absolute truth. Yes, very nice, succinct explanation of what's going on. And from Jagan Yes, Jagan Mohan. Hare Krishna, dear Maharaj and dear devotees, please accept my respectful obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Nice to be in your company for the live broadcast. And thank you to all involved in posting the readings on YouTube. It's very encouraging to hear in detail the potency of this devotional service, especially the chanting of the Holy Name. It was especially emphasized tonight's reading. Throughout the reading I was reflecting upon this remarkable opportunity we have to even have a molecule of interest in the mission of Lord Chaitanya, mm. We are so very fortunate. Mm. The importance of his Srila Prabhupada's appearance and life's work cannot be overstated. Thank you for your continued service to our dear Srila Prabhupada. All glories to the daily readings. Hare Krishna. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Hare Bowl. Bhakti Rupa. Yes, Bhakti Rupa. Thank you for reading, Maharaj. Very nice to finally be back listening live with you. Please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. 
I wondered what classifies one as a chanter of the holy name. Is someone we get to chant the mantra on the street understood to have performed such Vedic sacrifices and so on? Anyone who chants Hare Krishna once, uh, innocently, or even in derision, which is sometimes what people do on the streets, they'll make fun of us. Oh, Hare Krishna, you know, oh you Krishnas, and they're making fun. Uh, they all make advancement. They all make advancement. When it describes that one chanting the holy name, and this was mentioned a number of times in the verses and purports here, it's, it's talking about an inoffensive uh, name. There's a process to go from offensive to clearing to offenseless chanting. And one who has achieved that stage and chants even one name at, at that level, then they become perfect. Now it doesn't say when, it doesn't say immediately, but it says they become perfect. And that means that Krishna, from that time on, protects and takes care of the devotees. And whatever purification needs to be completed before they go back to Godhead, the Lord arranges it. So he's, he becomes free from the influences of Maya in the sense that he, he no longer is uh, experiencing reactions from his past karma. If there are arrangements being made, this is described, by the way, in the 10th canto, 14th chapter, 8th verse, in a, in a paraphrase uh, of Sridhar Swami. He describes that even if a devotee is sincere uh, and is chanting, there still may be some lingering, some little residue of material desire in the mind. So once one has chanted and given themselves to Krishna sincerely, then Krishna, from that time on, arranges things in such a way that those uh, remnants of pre previous uh, sinful desires are eradicated by what seems to be a sinful reaction. But it's not actually sinful reaction. It is described by Sridhar Swami that it is the administration of medicine directly by the hand of the Lord. When one has full faith in that, even, even if one hasn't experienced it directly, then they are eligible to hear the holy name and the holy pastimes of the Lord. And even a slight, very slight attachment to hearing, as we heard, when was it? Yesterday or the day before? Just a slight attachment to hearing uh, the, the glories of the Lord makes us eligible for going back to Godhead. How that all happens is beyond our capacity to understand with our present mind and senses. But when one has full faith in that, without doubting, then one becomes eligible to go back to Godhead, regardless of where they're situated now.
Hare Krishna. This is also from Bhakti Rupa. Yes, Bhakti Rupa. Also in text 6, we heard the importance of chanting inoffensively. I've heard that inattentiveness is the root of all the other offenses. Sorry, it's something I know I've asked you before, but how can we recalibrate or refocus our japa when we've allowed inattention to creep in? Thanks, Maharaj, for your time and energy. It's a very simple answer. Continue to chant. Don't stop the chanting. The chanting is so powerful. The holy name of the Lord is Krishna. He's all-powerful. Nam nam akadi bahuda nijasar bashaktis tracharapita niyamatak smarene nakalaha etadrishi tapikripa bhagavan mamapi Even though the Lord, the Lord has millions and billions of names and each one of them is all-powerful as all-powerful as the Supreme Personality of Godhead personally. And there are no hard and fast rules for chanting the holy name. Therefore, the holy name is the only thing that's powerful enough to purify offenses against the name. Other than the chanting of the holy name, there is no reformatory method or any other process of purification, prayaschita or any other way of purifying oneself. Therefore, constantly chanting. Constantly chanting can mean, can mean literally constantly, 24 hours a day, which hardly anyone can do that. Only Haridas Thakur can do that. You know, or chanting regularly. Chanting every day. That's why Srila Prabhupada gave us this uh, vow to take at the initiation. You, you chant at least 16 rounds of Hare Krishna every day, of the Maha Mantra every day. And follow the four regulated principles strictly. If you do that, the combination of those things will bring you to offenseless chanting. And that's all you have to do. There's so many rules and so many regulations and so many other things, but this is the essence of spiritual life. If you do those things strictly, eventually you will be able to follow all the other things. And you will be freed from the reactions of your offenses. So therefore, the prescription is never stop chanting under any conditions. That assures one of success. Hare Krishna. This is from Dhyanitai. Yes, Dhyanitai. Dear Sri the Guru Maharaj, please accept my obeisance. Thank you for tonight's reading. Hare Krishna. Tonight we heard how persons who chant the holy names have already done substantial pious and devotional activities previously. How do we understand that previously to being saved by the mercy of Sri the Prabhupada in this life, Many devotees with myself on the foreground were having rather low-class lifestyles. Thank you, your servant, Dhyanitai. This is a, this is a very common question. Uh, 
What it means is, you've performed devotional service in your past life, but you've made a mistake. And you have to pay for the mistake. But at the same time, because you've done devotional service, you take birth in a place at a time that you can begin again chanting Hare Krishna. It's as simple as that. So you can be low-born and you can still be eligible to chant Hare Krishna. And if it wasn't for that truth, well, we wouldn't be here today doing what we're doing. It's as simple as that. Hare Krishna. Goranga Gopal. Yes, Goranga Gopal. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. I appreciated how the Lord takes different forms to taste particular aspects of himself in relation with his devotees. Like here, we heard how at the time of annihilation he becomes a small child, tasting the nectar coming from his toes. I was thinking that if he had licked his toes as Dwarka Krishna, that may have been a little bizarre. But Lord Krishna wants to taste the nectar of his lotus feet that his devotees are hankering for so much, and he has a form as a small child to do so. In the same time, he is still the same absolute person with full absolute power, whether as a child or seemingly older. That is really amazing. Yeah, and Jiva Goswami explains very clearly in his Satsandarbhas, in his Tattvasandarbha, the first Sandarbha, that unless one can actually accept this truth, that Krishna can do anything, that he is actually unlimited and can do anything, you can't fully understand him. Well, no one can fully understand him, but you can't or begin to understand Krishna unless you can accept this as in this truth. And it's another aspect of that verse in the end of the 15th chapter that says, of the Bhagavad Gita, which says, Yomam evam asamudo janati purushottama sasarva vidvajatimam sarva bhavena bharata. If one can accept that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead without doubting, he becomes the knower of everything. So the process of purification means to become free gradually from doubt. And we hear about these wonderful activities of the Lord lying on a, on a, on a lotus leaf or a banyan leaf rather uh, in the middle of the ocean of de devastation, the water of devastation and then licking his toes as sometimes little babies do. Uh, then you can understand it. There's no other way to understand it. It's revealed knowledge. It's not knowledge that you'll become eligible for by memorizing something, passing an examination. No. It means you have to receive the, the, the mercy of Krishna. You have to be chosen by Krishna. And he chooses those who are the most eager to hear about him. It's as simple as that. Hare Krishna.
more from Goranga Gopal? Yes, Goranga Gopal. Also, I would like to ask something. I have been noticing that I never chant extra rounds. One reason being that when the thought of it comes, it kind of scares me, as if unconsciously conditioned to think that it will be so much hard work, a struggle. So therefore, I rather busy myself with some other activity. I really want to get more of a taste for chanting. So I think I shall prove myself wrong and chant more. <laughs> How do I convince my mind of the benefits of chanting? I heard of it in tonight's reading, but I still don't connect the dots. I think I know what your answer will be, but I need to hear it again. Sorry for being so deaf. It's the same answer as the last doubt. Don't stop chanting. No matter what you think you are, no matter how you think you're chanting or not, never stop chanting. Because if you do that, then Krishna will be convinced that you're, you actually believe Him. You, you, it's a personal. Devotional service is personal. We are performing devotional service to please Krishna. So we have to hear what pleases Krishna and then do that. And when Krishna sees that you're even beginning to do that, he, he, even beginning to do that, then he, he pays attention to you. And as soon as he pays attention to you, that's it. The whole chanting of holy name is so powerful that it can relieve you from even the most egregious sins that we can imagine. Killing of a brahmana. There's no sin that you can commit that is not purifiable by the chanting of the Holy Hare Krishna Ma Mantra. And even if you're not completely pure, even if you still have some tendency to sin or some remnants of sinful desire or whatever, uh, that doesn't matter. Apichet sudurachado bhajate imam ananyabhak sadureva samantavyak samyag vyabhasito hisaha It's the same answer. Continue to chant, don't stop performing this devotional service particularly of chanting the holy name because you can't do the other services without the holy name the chanting of the holy name makes us eligible to do all of the other services it is all important hadir nama hadir nama hadir nama eva kevalam kalo nasteva 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 gatir anyata in this Kali Yuga, uh, there is no other way, no other way, no other way than chanting the Hari Nam of the Lord, chanting the holy name of the Lord, chanting the holy name of the Lord in order to reach Gatiranyata, the goal of life. Hare Krishna. From Taitari Hari. Yes, Daitari Hari. 
Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thanks for tonight's reading. That last verse in purport was mind-boggling. We heard, quote, It is said that those who simply chant the holy name with the tip of the tongue are glorious. One does not even have to chant the holy name and understand the whole procedure, namely the offensive stage, offenseless stage, and the pure stage. If the holy name is sounded on the tip of the tongue, that is also sufficient. Unquote. We heard enough times, however, that in order to really get the benefit of chanting, such chanting should be offenseless and pure. But it also seems to emphasize just how powerful the holy name is, that no matter what the quality of the chanting is, it is greater than anything performed on the material platform. Is this the correct understanding? It's perfectly correct, and and we've heard this again and again, and we'll, we'll say it again, that the holy name is all-powerful, but we can't perceive it because of our uh, conditioning. But if we keep chanting, the holy name doesn't become contaminated. The holy name never con becomes contaminated. It is purna shudo, nitya mukta. It is, it is fully pure and always liberated. It's not that the holy name is contaminated by you. You can't contaminate the holy name. The holy name stays pure. And if you continue to associate with the holy name, eventually you will become pure. How long that would take depends on your surrender, your submissiveness, your ability to, 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 to follow, to submit, not to do sinful things, not to commit the offenses. But the holy name is the holy name. It is all-powerful. It is always all-powerful. It never changes. It is non-different than Krishna. The purpose of chant or the goal of chanting is to realize that the holy name is Krishna. Therefore, he talks about Prabhupada talks about if the tongue is if the holy name is on the tip of the tongue, that means that Krishna is dancing on your tongue, but you can't perceive it. But just because you can't perceive something, that doesn't mean that it isn't true. There's so many things that we can't perceive that are true. This is the faith that's required to chant without offense. Hare Krishna. And that is confirmed by all of our Acharyas, particularly Jiva Goswami. Hare Krishna. And this is also from Daitari Hari. Yes, Daitari Hari. I unfortunately passed out yesterday straight after Vyasa Puja because of two days without sleep so I missed the live reading <laughs> but I really appreciated the 40th verse in purport where Prabhupada listed all the pitfalls or anarthas that that inhibit us from understanding Krishna it was like open heart surgery <laughs> but it was so clear and perfectly explained I really love how well Prabhupada lays everything out so brilliantly 
and yet explains things so simply so that we can understand and be aware of how to practice spiritual life properly. Therefore, he says over and over again, and anyone who follows him without deviation says over and over again, just keep hearing these purports, these, these verses and purports translated and commented by Prabhupada because they're empowered. You just said it yourself. They're empowered. The way he writes, the way he describes the simplest thing, the, the way he describes the most complex uh, philosophical concept makes it accessible to anyone. That is empowered, especially empowered person. I always tell the story, I'll say it again. When Tejas, my dear friend Tejas, first joined, he was in India and he was he had volunteered uh, to uh, he joined the Peace Corps and he was working with the villagers in agriculture in India when he, when he saw Prabhupada and he immediately surrendered so Prabhupada liked him very much he was very intelligent and uh, learned so he took him with him and uh, every day Tejas would come into Prabhupada's room and Prabhupada would look up and he would have some exchange and then he would go. So one morning he came in, he came in, but Prabhupada didn't look up. So Tejas being very smart, he said, I think I should sit down now and try to understand what's going on. So he sat down and after some time Prabhupada looked up, only he didn't look at him, he looked past him, you know, and he said, I could not, could not have written these books. Krishna has written these books. That's the answer. He was reading his own book. That's what he was doing. So we should read Prabhupada's books. They're different than any other books. They're fully empowered to spread Krishna consciousness. They're fully empowered to convince us and if you think that they're boring because he repeats the same thing over and over again, then you need to think again. Because anybody who gets bored hearing something that's so true and so deep and so significant, he's not ready to hear. So we have to become ready to hear, eager to hear. It is the only qualification, sincere eagerness to hear. Hare Krishna. It's from Rati Manjari. Yes, Rati. Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my respectful obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you for tonight's reading, which was illuminating. I marveled at how, in setting up his ISKCON movement, Srila Prabhupada has exactly followed the statements of Devahuti in text 3336 in which he states that even a person born in a family of dog-eaters immediately becomes eligible to perform Vedic sacrifices if he once utters the holy name of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Srila Prabhupada allowed persons like us who were born in low and unreformed families to receive the chanting of the holy name, take Brahman initiation, and perform Vedic sacrifices. How bold and daring and how much faith Srila Prabhupada has 
any Shastric statements. Yes, he has complete faith. And you associate with him, you get stronger faith and stronger faith and stronger faith until you have complete faith. Then you're liberated. Doesn't mean you have love of Krishna yet, but you're liberated. Then you can follow the regulated principle strictly. Then you get love of God by, by chanting the holy name without offense. Pure holy name. More from Rati Manjari? Yes, Rati. And another statement in the purport of 333.6, which I found particularly outspoken, is this. Quote, It is sometimes remarked that by the chanting process one begins to purify himself and can take birth in his next life in a Brahmana family and then be reformed. But at this present moment, even those who are born in the best Brahmana families are not reformed, nor is there any certainty that they are actually born of Brahmana fathers. <laughs> Formerly, the Garbhadhan reformatory system was prevalent, but at the present moment there is no such Garbhadhan or seed-giving ceremony. Under these circumstances, no one knows if a man is factually born of a Brahmana father. Whether one has acquired the qualification of a Brahmana depends on the judgment of the bona fide spiritual master. He bestows upon the disciple the position of a Brahmana by his own judgment. End quote. Hmm. I was thinking that by statements as this one, Srila Prabhupada may very well have ignited the collective anger of the established caste Brahmanas, insinuating that their birth may not have been from a Brahmana father, and thus their Brahminical caste may not be genuine. How fearful Srila, how fearless Srila Prabhupada is that he was willing to speak the unadulterated truth for the benefit of all living beings. Exactly. And it's a fact. He was criticized to his face. Hare Krishna. Yes, Koladvipati. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances, all glories to Sri the Prabhupada. It was great to hear today of Devahuti's simple acceptance that the Lord could appear in her womb, because the Lord also appears as a baby on the banyan, on a banyan leaf during the dissolution of the universe. I appreciated how the licking of the Lord's toe was compared to Lord Chaitanya tasting of the transcendental mellow in himself. Also was appreciating the glorification of the holy name of the Lord, that even if once chanted, he is understood to have performed all other ritualistic processes of religion. Very nice example of a high court judge has passed all legal exams and is better than those studying law. Mm. Mm. Very nice reflections, everyone. Thank you so much. One more from Kaladipati. Yes, Kaladipati. Also in purport to text 3, the Lord, in spite of his being unlimited, sorry, quote, in spite of his being unlimited, he has subjected himself to being known from the authoritative scriptures like the Vedic literatures, unquote. It's striking me how Prabhupada's translation 
and purports are the via medium for the Lord subjecting himself to being known. So clear, authoritative, comprehensive, and expertly explained. Yes, well, Krishna doesn't, uh, it's not his mentality isn't that he will be subjected to being known. He actually wants us to know him. We're the ones that are, you know, refusing to be subjected to Krishna's, <laughs> you know, uh, the truth about Krishna. Krishna is willing to give the truth to anyone. He does. Therefore he says, Samoham Sarvabhutani Nami Dvesha He is equal to everyone. He is not anyone's special friend or anyone's special enemy. But uh, to anyone who is approaching him with a devotion, with sincere loving service, then he accepts that person as dear to him and that person's uh, and he is dear to that person. And yes. So this is the nature of the Lord to reciprocate according to how a person approaches him. Everyone is like that, but Krishna is supremely like that. Therefore, if you've just, if you've just approached Krishna with sincere feelings, with sincere devotion, or devotion, and how do you do that? Janmasharya Shrutasimbir I can't remember the last line of the Sanskrit. It means that as long as we're still attached to beauty, to high birth, to high education, and to aristocratic family, and all these things, he can't approach the Lord with sincere feeling. If you approach the Lord with sincere feeling, and therefore sometimes we take lower birth, even though we may be a great devotee. We may have been a great devotee, we may do some big mistake. So Krishna is very kind. He puts us to a lower birth, but we have full faith. All these things are arranged by the Lord. We just have to submit. That's all. Srimad Bhagavatam. Vilas Manjari. Oh, Vilas Manjari. Hare Krishna. I got your wonderful letter and I it's on my inbox now. I'll answer it soon as possible. Dear Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. I am so happy to be here. I don't have the exact quote, but remember hearing in a class that once Sri the Prabhupada replied to a devotee asking about his own lack of pious activities and eligibility to chant that, quote, I have created your pious activities, unquote. Isn't that wonderful? Mercy of the pure devotee. Yes, and its statement, this is confirmed. Prabhupada never said anything that was not confirmed in the Vedas. The statement in the Vedas, I think it's in the 11th canto actually, that anyone who has the fortune to see with his own eye that a pure devotee of the Lord uh, on the level of Srila Prabhupada becomes eligible to go back to Godhead. It may not happen immediately, but that's what makes one qualified to go back to Godhead.
Hare Krishna. There's one last question from Gauranga Gopal. Yes, Gauranga Gopal. So nice to have the Welsh Sankirtan devotees back. Does one who chants the holy name actually perform has one who chants the holy name actually performed all these different activities in pa- like studying Vedas, austerities and so on in past lives or is it considered that it is as if he had performed them no there's no as if in the verse there's no as if it means he has done those things in the past Same verse. Yomamevam asamudo janadi If You can accept Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead without doubting. Then you can know these things just by hearing. The thing that prevents us from knowing it just by hearing is our doubts. And the doubts have to be removed. And how are the doubts removed? By chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra and performing devotional service under the direction of Srila Prabhupada and his bona fide representatives. And the evidence is there. Devotees now have been performing this uh, practice for 40, 50 years. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Samabeda Bhaktavinda ki jai. Kaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bo. See you tomorrow night. Same time, same place, same topic as Devahuti continues her glorification of her son, the Supreme Personality of Godhead Kapiladev. See you tomorrow night. Hare Krishna.